Welcome to the podcast, Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage, where it's all about discovering the thoughts that get you in the mood, the thoughts that get you out of the mood, and how creating a deeper connection with yourself creates a deeper connection with your spouse. I'm your coach, Shelly Anderson, coaching you through life, love, and intimacy. This is episode number 46, Anniversary Expectations. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me for today's episode, where we are going to explore the topic of anniversaries and what we expect of them. Now, this topic was really on my mind because my husband and I just celebrated our 19th year of marriage this past week, and it allowed me to spend some time reflecting on where we have been, where we are now, and what the future can hold for us. Now, the word anniversary can be defined as the annual recurrence of a date marking a notable event, or a date that is remembered or celebrated because a special event occurred on that date in a previous year. And it also means returning annually to a year that something significant occurred. Now, according to some traditions, the 19th anniversary could also take on its Latin-rooted name of the Nove Decennial, and we could be expected to give each other gifts of jade, which is said to be the token designated gift of the 19th anniversary. And even in some countries, couples who have been married at least 50 years can receive a letter from their governor general. Now, according to Wikipedia in the United States, a couple can receive an anniversary greeting card from the president for the 50th year of the anniversary and all subsequent anniversaries. Many of these do require that an application be filled out in order to receive it. And generally speaking, and according to the traditional list of anniversary gifts, the longer the period of time a couple is married, the more precious or durable the material associated with the gift is to be. Now, while the practice may date back to the Holy Roman Empire, with husbands crowning their wife of 25 years with a wreath of silver, and then again a wreath of gold at 50 years of marriage, commercialism has now added even more gifts for the many years of marriage in between those two numbers. Now, Nick and I did not give each other anything at all made of jade, but I do want to describe what we did do on our anniversary this year. Now, my cousin was in town with her kids and had already been with us uh, for the whole week. And on that day, my cousin and I took our kids to the local recreation center where they swam all day long and they only took a break to stop and have some lunch. They were able to go on some water slides, run all around the indoor water playground, and even tackle an aqua ninja obstacle course. My cousin and I enjoyed some fabulous conversation and a whole lot of laughter while keeping a close eye on the kiddos. 
And while we were there, we started talking about my anniversary and what my husband and I were going to do to celebrate. I told her that there was a particular restaurant that I had heard about and that I really wanted to try. So right then and there, I got on their website and made a reservation for later on that night. And boy, was I ever excited. I texted my husband a picture of the reservation confirmation, and he simply texted back, nice. Now, I want to pause here for a moment in this story and point out something important. There was something that I really wanted to have happen on my anniversary, and it was 100% within my power to make it happen. I knew how much I would enjoy finally getting to experience this restaurant that had been on my mind for the past several weeks. I had heard that it was kind of a, a nice place and that it even had a dress code for the weekend and a no kids under 12 rule. Now that sounded like an awesome way to celebrate and focus on our marriage and have some adult conversation. Plus, I really wanted the chance to dress up just a little bit for the occasion. Now, the part that we need to pay attention to here is the part that has to do with making things happen and not waiting around for those things to happen and then getting mad when they don't happen. So my husband and I can be quite different when it comes to food and choosing restaurants. For him, food is simply there to provide us with the nutrients we need to survive. And sure, while he can appreciate a good meal or a good steak, he does not look forward to it nearly as much as I do. I, on the other hand, love to enjoy every aspect of the meal, the presentation, the smells and textures, the different combinations, and even the surprises of it. I look forward to the ambiance of the restaurant, the lighting, the music, the service, and the overall feel of it. Nick could be easily satisfied and happy with a meal at Taco Bell. And while I do like a good chicken soft taco just as much as he does, there is something about eating at a new place That brings me a great deal of happiness, excitement, and joy. So while he may have never cared about where we would eat on our anniversary or what their menu consisted of, it was something that I really wanted to have as part of my experience for our anniversary. So since it mattered a great deal to me, I happily took charge of this aspect of the night. I did not stay quiet and secretly wish that he would plan something amazing. And I did not expect him to read my mind about which restaurant I wanted to eat at. I don't think he had ever even heard of the Charleston in Draper before. So there's no way he could have read my mind and just met my expectations for how I imagined the evening going. And you know what? I felt so incredibly happy 
simply by the fact that I was able to secure a reservation. I just made it happen. There was no anger whatsoever that my husband didn't put in some required effort to make the reservation instead of me. There was no expectation that he was the one that was supposed to do it or that he was the one that should be doing that. After I received confirmation of our reservation, I experienced pure happiness. And it was real happiness, not some fake or made-up happiness. And I was experiencing that happiness early in the day. And the evening hadn't even begun yet. The happiness I experienced was genuine and pure. I was feeling real happiness early on in the day without my husband having done anything for our anniversary. And this is totally legit. That happiness was not mixed with any level of resentment or anger or even disappointment by thinking that my husband was the one who should have put in the effort to make the reservations for the night. I never had the thought, well, if it really meant something to him, then he would have asked me two weeks ago about making reservations. Or if he really cared, he would have put forth more effort instead of leaving everything for me to do. And that happiness I felt after making the reservation was something I was totally able to give to myself. And I did give it to myself because I value me and that experience. I value my experience of the anniversary as well as my ability to make things happen in my life in a way that feels empowering and alive and amazing. The happiness I felt with that reservation stayed with me throughout the entire day, filling me with even more excitement and more anticipation than I had felt before I even made the reservation. So after I made it, I allowed my mind to wander just a little bit. What would I wear? I scrolled through some different outfits in my mind. I imagined wearing each one and how I would feel wearing them. Some outfits looked cute in my mind or even well put together. Some outfits looked classy and perfectly fit to match the occasion. But then, as I imagined this one gray dress, I imagined myself feeling sexy in it. And that was the one that seemed just right for the occasion. And it wasn't sexy because it wasn't modest. It actually was 100% modest. But I imagined that I felt sexy in it. And that is an amazing feeling. Yep, that would be the dress. I went on to imagine some of my accessory options. Which shoes I would wear what perfume to put on, and how to do my hair. I allowed myself to dream about all of it. And you know what? It was awesome. Now, for paying close attention, all of the things that I imagined and daydreamed about 
were all of things that were in my control and did not require my husband to do any of it. I did not daydream about the requirements I needed my husband to accomplish in order for him to make me feel happy on our anniversary. In fact, I did not want my husband's attention on anything else but me. This little detail allowed me to imagine how I wanted to feel in the future of that evening and to create that feeling of happiness and the feeling of being sexy long before my husband and I were even in the same room. Not only did my taking charge of the reservation allow me to feel and experience happiness, sexiness, and excitement early on in the day and throughout most of the entire day, it also freed up my husband to take care of what he needed to or tie up any loose ends so that he could feel that he closed up the day and so that he could feel his excitement and his anticipation for the upcoming evening without anything else getting in the way. I was confident that this was freeing him up so that all of his attention would be on me. And with all of the things that pull for our attention in today's world, I didn't mind that one bit. I felt like I was setting both of us up for an anniversary success. And I wonder if we underestimate our own ability to contribute to the happiness we actually feel and experience in our own marriage, or if we are always waiting around for our spouse to magically force happiness into our body and somehow make us feel it. When we are waiting around for happiness to be provided to us by others, We may find that we believe our happiness is always at the mercy of other people and their moods and their ability to read our mind. And these types of thoughts usually trigger us to feel helpless. And in marriage, this could further contribute to a belief that our happiness is always at the mercy of our spouse and their mood, and their ability to read our mind. And sadly, this probably means that we are always waiting around for it, and maybe waiting for a long period of time, and waiting for our spouse to grace us with a portion of happiness. And these types of thoughts will usually trigger us to feel helpless and hopeless, as if we are being robbed of happiness by our spouse and that we are the victims, even in our own marriage. And who wants to end up feeling like that on their anniversary? I doubt any of us would really want to experience that. Now, all of this is no bueno, and this can leave us feeling exhausted, angry, and desperate. And when we try to remedy things from that place, we will almost always turn to immature tactics to try to force our spouse to make us feel happy by fulfilling our long and entitled list of things to do. And sadly, if they happen to actually complete the list of our demands, we usually find that we are still mad, 
about it to some degree with a helping of confusion and still feeling unfulfilled. We often still won't feel satisfied by them completing the list, or we may even add more things to the list in hopes that we will feel better if it gets completed once again. This is exhausting and rarely gives us the results we long for. And I highly doubt that these types of thoughts and feelings are the ones that would trigger us to feel a natural desire to be intimate with our spouse. So let's leave those immature ways behind and try to use our higher brain when it comes to our anniversary celebrations. Now, getting back to the story. When my cousin and I arrived back home from the fun water shenanigans of the day with our kids, I only had a few minutes to get ready. No need to worry about that since I had already imagined it all earlier in the day. I had already felt the emotion of sexiness when I had dreamed about wearing that gray dress several hours earlier. Putting it on just heightened that emotion. I felt like a million bucks and off we went to the restaurant. All of my senses were afire and being stimulated by the newness of the Charleston. Having each of my senses receiving new information by being there was a fabulous anniversary gift I gave to myself. And I was very grateful. The lights were beautiful. The piano was soft. The decor of the room was simple and sophisticated. The backdrop of the darker paint on the walls added to the sexiness with candlelight softening the glow. The smells of the different dishes were amazing and enticing and getting me even more excited for the meal. Nick and I ordered and then we just talked. While we waited for our food, we stared at each other. We sipped on diet sodas and we talked about how far we had come in the last 19 years. We talked about some of the hard times and some of the good. We talked about our commitment to one another as well as how to support each other as we try to fulfill our individual passions and purposes. Neither of us brought physical gifts to the table that night, but instead offered up gifts of commitment to keep trying, to keep moving forward, to keep giving our best, and to keep striving to improve. No gifts of jade, silver, or of gold. No obligatory anniversary gifts that neither of us really wanted. No expectations of gifts to be exchanged at all, actually. Just being present with each other in the moment and really enjoying what it means to celebrate the day that we got married. There is no doubt that long before life coaching entered our lives, Celebrating an anniversary without gifts would have brought with it terrible and mean-spirited thoughts. But by learning about how to be aware of the thoughts that we choose to think, especially about our spouse, our marriage, anniversary celebrations, 
and what we make it mean about ourselves is a total game changer in the marriage arena. It's not that gifts aren't nice for special occasions because they totally can be. It's just that they are no longer required or expected in order for us to feel like we are worth what we were always hoping we were worth. What is it that we are requiring of our spouse in order for us to feel happy? If we have a list ready to rattle off to our spouse, we may need to check in with ourselves and challenge where that is stemming from. When I watch my husband try to better himself, when I observe his efforts to improve or grow, that is the ultimate gift that he gives me. I completely enjoy and delight in his journey, in how he's creating it, and how his approach is sometimes completely different than mine, and how it broadens my mind and my ability to be more compassionate and understanding. What a gift it is to me that he is often so different than me, giving me new ideas to explore in my mind, new experiences to have, new music to listen to, new stories to hear, new smells to inhale, new sands to walk on, new foods to taste, new feelings to feel, and new happiness to be felt. His humanness challenges me and makes me rise up to the challenge. It also makes me reflect on my skill level and allows me to want to level up. What a gift this is. Learning new skills in marriage feels amazing, even if you are the only one doing it. Doing this kind of work feels amazing. My husband's humanness is a gift. And his growth is also a gift to me. The more I accept my husband where he is now and as he is right now, as well as where he wants to go and the creativity he uses to get there, the more I am enlarged as a person. The more my own experience is enhanced, the more creative I become. And the better I get at contributing to my own happiness, as well as contributing to the experience of others in a way that is unique, pure, and authentic. We really need to ask ourselves, what kind of marriage are we creating when our actions create experiences that are motivated by anger, resentment, and scorn? But we can also ask ourselves, what kind of marriage can we create when our actions create experiences that are grounded in acceptance, growth, and patience. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we experience consistently will be the catalyst emotions that create the environment for our marriage to grow in. So what kind of environment do we want to shape our marriage? When we are on a personal journey that includes experiences of individual growth, we are filled with feelings that make life much more enjoyable 
and are much more rewarding. When we are choosing to fill our everyday lives with these types of experiences, it becomes much easier and much more natural to want to connect with our spouse on a deeper level. And we may even find that we may seek to connect with our spouse intimately without even trying. For women who often come to the decision of being intimate with their spouse from a sense of duty, this shift can be significant and can change our duty-driven feelings completely. When we choose to fill our lives with the personal progression that comes from challenging our own thoughts about our spouse, our marriage, and about intimacy, we can start to feel far more hopeful and far more amazing than we do now. It can even become easy to end the anniversary evening with an intimate experience that feels like something far more meaningful than the simple obligatory, it's our anniversary, so I guess we should do that experience. Why not reach for an experience that has far more meaning and significance for us? The expectations we have for our spouse and all the things we want them to do to show their love come into our mind in the form of our thoughts. When we can start to leave some of our expectations behind by challenging those thoughts, we start to unlock a side of ourselves that yearns to be unlocked. There is a part of us that wants to be better and knows that we are capable of more, especially in our marriage. Even in the scriptures, we can find that there are better ways to show love. I'm sure most of us have heard Christ say, as I have loved you, love one another. I love that Christ does not have a hidden list of expectations for us, nor does he have a list that he keeps adding to once we have finished the first one. He doesn't have an expectation for every single aspect of his relationship with others. He has some simple guidelines in the form of commandments and then lets the people use their creativity in living life and creating their relationship to the fullest. Can we even imagine what it would be like if he actually had a list of expectations for marriage beyond just the basics? Imagine for a moment if the scriptures said, thou shall not roll your eyes when your spouse shares their opinions. Thou shalt not let out a heavy sigh when your spouse repeats a behavior you find annoying. Thou shalt not think your spouse is less mature or less intelligent than you, ever. Thou shalt never talk louder than 55 decibels when speaking to your spouse. Thou shalt never give your spouse a dirty look. Thou shalt never get annoyed with your spouse's grooming habits. Thou shalt agree with your spouse on every purchase over $4 that needs to be made. Thou shalt never make sarcastic comments or mumble things under your breath about your spouse. 
Thou shalt always speak of them in a positive manner. Thou shalt never talk ill about your spouse to your best friend. Thou shalt never eat the last spoonful of peanut butter when your spouse needs to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the next day. Thou shalt never take the last square of toilet paper without replacing it with a fresh roll. Thou shalt never pass gas in front of your spouse or their family or your children or their other children or in public or in any other place where others may become offended by the odor, bringing shame to you or your spouse. Can we even imagine how long this kind of list could become? We would become exhausted and frustrated. And yet, for some reason, we seem to sometimes make a list similar to this for our marriage. And this type of list, with the focus being centered on all of the expectations that are set forth and often not being met, keep our thoughts and focus on the negative and just how quickly all those negative things could add up. What a tiring thing to try and work through. With the number of rules and expectations that the Savior could have set forth for marriage, he actually gave relatively few of them, giving quite a lot of freedom for each person to show their love without being micromanaged in every single possible way. A better way to approach marriage is totally possible for all of us, even for two people who are far off the track or for two people who are already pretty good. This next week, let's see if we can challenge at least one expectation that we have for our spouse. And let's see if we can replace it with a sense of wonder and curiosity of what might come to be. And let's see what new ideas might emerge from the process. Let's see if we can challenge the expectations we have for our spouse to provide us with the typical and expected milestone celebration happiness, like the ones we expect on our birthday or on our anniversary. And instead, let's feel the wonderful feelings that come when we are empowered to create the experience we actually want to experience for ourselves because we truly value that part of ourselves and want to create even more opportunities for feeling amazing instead of just creating more opportunities to feel miserable or resentful. When our next anniversary does come, let it be an opportunity to self-reflect and see how we are doing on the expectations we have for our spouse. Because it seems like the less we demand of our spouse, the less we try to control them. Or the fewer hidden expectations we have for them, the more freedom they actually have to grow and the more they seem to freely give of themselves. So let's see if we can get just a little bit better each year. 
And every anniversary moving forward, your future self will thank you for it. Because remember, the more you restore this type of intimacy with yourself, the more you restore it with your spouse. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you will join me again next week.